0: I'm Bob Shaw, you're listening to Top Shelf Hockey, where we bring you all things hockey all the time. Alright guys, holy shit, the Canucks are off to round two. First of all, before we get started, I want to wish NAB a happy birthday. Pretty good to see both your teams uh, move to the next round, so happy birthday NAB. God,
1: happy birthday NAB, I had no idea, man. Happy birthday!
2: Yeah, thanks, boys. Yeah, got a couple of pretty good presents yesterday with Philly and Vancouver moving uh, on. Yeah,
0: I, I I saw your Twitter, and usually I'm the one that's putting out the most emotional, erratic stuff. And then um, <laughs> I saw your account, and you were, you know, putting out tweet after tweet, messaging on the, the three nothing goal and the four nothing goal, and the, and I was like, holy crap, this guy's excited. But I guess it was your birthday, so it makes sense.
2: What can you say after six years of pain? Finding it good to let loose a little bit. I, I will uh, I will give you
0: props though that uh, you roasted the hell out of me. Uh, it was yeah, I it saw was, that I saw it that. Was, that was
2: it was hilarious. probably oh, probably the
0: God. most savage that I've been roasted since uh Rory you remember back in our BCIT days the Friday morning stand-ups, when you're not prepared and uh, either you or Jap or someone would just come out there and give us a question that you knew that we did not know the answer to. You <laughs> would just panic. So I mean, that's what that was. I mean, NAB, you got me. I don't agree with the, everything you said in that tweet, but uh, <laughs> hell of a tweet, man. Congrats! And someone else saw you I- and they said you got shredded. So I got shredded. So it was pretty, <laughs> pretty good.
2: What can I say? Someone has to put you in line, right?
0: <laughs> all right, let's get to this shit. So first of all, holy crap, Canucks are in the playoffs. Uh, winning round one. We haven't done this since 2011. So we were 13 years old, grade eight, the 2011 run of the final. Um, what's the obvious question, though? What the hell's been impressed you guys the most uh, through, through these playoff games?
2: Well, I think I'll start first. Obviously, the core, I think I said it in last time's episode, where Pettersson, Hughes, Miller, Horvat, Besser, and Markstrom have been amazing. And in the second round, or in the first round, excuse me, against St. Louis, nothing changed. They were amazing. Yeah, Rory, what about you? Um,
1: yeah, um, similar to um Nab, just overall being able to keep up with St. Louis. Obviously, goaltending was good, but I mean we've seen that from Markstrom all year. I, um, the ability for like um the Canucks especially like the younger players like Pedersen Hughes to keep up with St. Louis and their physical um aspect of play that that impressed me a lot also and also just being able to keep up with Ryan O'Reilly during like most of I mean he did score some like highlight reel goals against us but overall they yeah, no, we, well You're right. Ryan O'Reilly played
0: played pretty good throughout the series, but I I just think the the goaltending was the difference. We had Markstrom play unbelievably out of his uh you know on top of his head. Um, that one save he did in Game Five, where he like did the soccer style save, was unbelievable. But what surprised me here is if you go on stats, uh, J- uh Jacob Markstrom isn't even listed in the top like I think what is it like ten. Yeah, as for for goal for GAA, so you know it's it's completely crazy that there's all these great goaltenders and so many of them are now out. But you know, staying with the stats part, you look at these stats. Defenseman Quinn Hughes is the second best defenseman in points, uh, after Heiskanen from the from the Stars. He's got the most amount of points among rookies. Uh, Elias Pedersen is number tied for first with Nathan McKinnon for forwards, and Quinn Hughes is, I think, 6th uh, or 7th on that list. So it is unbelievable that these rookies are showing up. And, and Nab, you know this. I want to get your thoughts on this specifically, but we've had really great players that have not showed up in the playoffs. It's early, but these guys are still showing up. So what do you, what do you have to say about that?
2: Well, it's just hmm. amazingly impressive how – Elias Petterson second year second year in the league, and Quinn Hughes. This is essentially still his rookie year, and this is what they're doing in their first playoffs. We've seen players like the Sedins, Nasland, obviously fantastic borderline Hall of Fame players, and the Sedins will get in. But it took them two, three years in the playoffs to really establish themselves, and Pedersen and Hughes take some one game and they're off and running. These, these two players are just unbelievable.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. I, I, I just can't believe that uh, they're producing at the rate right there. I mean, Quinn Hughes is uh, – I mean, if there was a playoff Norris Trophy, this guy would be the playoff Norris Trophy winner. He's just putting points up you know, in some ways better than what he was doing in the regular season. Um, I mean, I'm a biased Canucks fan, so I think he should be the nominee for the Calder Trophy, the nominee for the Norris Trophy, the nominee for every freaking trophy. Um, uh, you know, But he uh, – He's just producing unbelievable. And, you know, the streak lives. He got another assist last night. But but how important is the play of Tyler
2: Mott? <laughs> Do you guys remember how we got Tyler Mott? Uh, basically, t- get, signing Thomas Vanek to a one-year deal, trading him off to CBJ, and we get um, Tyler Mott in that trade. What a trade for Vancouver. A solid fourth liner, right? Eh? Yeah, I remember... No, I-
1: Yeah, go ahead, Roy. Sorry, uh, just Canuck's Twitter flipping out about how Jim Benning didn't get a draft pick on that.
2: Yeah, that Thomas Vanek trade.
1: Yeah, I'm the kind
0: of person that didn't exactly realize the cap and the impact of that on the trades and stuff. So I remember I was probably one of the idiots that was like, we traded away Thomas Vanek for Tyler Mott. Who the hell's Tyler
2: Mott? (laughs) (laughs) The funny part is... Tyler Mott was such a highly regarded prospect where in college hockey, he was dominating, putting up elite numbers. But then when he got to the NHL in Chicago and Columbus, he had to change his game into more of a bottom six forward. And he's done that pretty well to kind of carve out a nice niche for himself on the fourth line.
0: I want to get your thoughts on some of our depth players because Beagle has scored. And I know it's one game, but Roussel's played unbelievable. Tyler Mott, even without the scoring, was playing unbelievable. Um, Does this, in any way, I don't want to start the the pro-Benning, anti-Benning Twitter wars, but does this kind of make at least Jim Benning look pretty good right now?
2: Well, yeah, it does make Benning look a little better right now that you're getting contributions from such malign players like Sutter, Beagle, Roussel, and all those awful contracts and trades that were supposedly made. But let's be clear, they are still more on the negative side of signings and trades, but with their contributions in the playoffs it does look make them look a bit better.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. What what about you uh, Rory? What do you think both both on the Jim Benning stuff and also how good has Travis Green done? So you can touch either of those questions.
1: Um I, I don't have a lot to add for um the question um answered like I agree like if there's overall still more negative than positive and there's going to be some Canucks will still have a cap problem like for the next um two years before um like Roussel and like Beagle's contract runs out and Luongo's cap recapture. It's finally. But, but to answer your other question about Travis green, I mean, a lot, a lot of people have said this already, but his coaching in this series was impressive. Like, be, like, Just finding a way to rally the team when they were down three-one in Game Five, like mixing the lines effectively, and like getting Jake Vertanen going, um, getting Brock Besser going, and that, and he took a lot of heat for um playing Vertanen in um Game Five, like oh and, and. People a lot of people wanted Vertan and Scratch instead of Zach McEwen. But Green, he obviously knew what he was doing when he made that decision.
0: Yeah, I think one of the the things you just pointed out, the fact that we came back from a three one deficit. Um, we had you know, I don't know, the years we've watched the playoffs now, but I don't think very many times have the Canucks come back from a three one deficit or three nothing deficit. And if they have come back from a deficit They've tied it up, maybe taken a lead, and then completely blown it, like the Chicago game back in uh, 2009, uh, where we kept scoring goals, but then we kept uh, letting in goals. Um, So this is actually something unique. I've never seen the Canucks come back uh, and kind of win a game like this. I know it's one round, and, I mean, you know, who knows what they'll do against Vegas. Um, They're pretty banged up right now in terms of their defense. Uh, Tyler Myers probably won't be back for at least another two weeks. So the Canucks have to get that far for him to even come back. I think the fact that Tyler Toffoli will be coming back will be a huge boost because you know more offense on the third line, and uh, that'll always be a good option. But you know, what do you think about the, just the ability to come back? Because uh, I want to get your thoughts on that, and I also want to you know touch on the fact that you know that we haven't seen success. Since 2011. I mean, for me, the 2015 16, the 16 17, and the 17 18 were were abysmal. The three abysmal seasons um, were just kind of all wrapped in one. I kind of stopped following them as closely. Um, You know, I kept tabs on them and all that, but I knew we were in the bottom basement. Uh, You know, you followed the draft. Um, But, you know, did we get lucky? Because if we didn't get Elias Patterson, we got anyone else in that draft, we probably, I don't think, are. Uh, in the same position and obviously Quinn Hughes is a absolute steal now at number seven and everyone's saying you know the Detroit Red Wings are really pissed they didn't take him so you know have at it Nat you got two questions
2: so just touching based on the first question we always hear about the classic clutch gene that players have and I think there are three or four Canucks players who really have that sure. obviously starting with Jacob Markstrom, who makes timely saves time after time. Elias Pedersen, who scores at will. Quinn Hughes, who controls the game whenever he wants to. And even JT Miller, who continues to make plays. He was the one who scored the 3-2 goal that helped us come back. So even when we were in the Sedin era, the Nazan era, how many touch players did we really have? If we were seeing this from our core right now, which is young, imagine what they'll continue to do when we get better as a team.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a good point. But I don't want to play the devil's advocate here. But how much
2: of this success is
0: due to the fact that we're not traveling and there's no fans in the building? Because if you factor in travel, you know, playing against a team like St. Louis or uh, in a tough building, uh, I mean, St. Louis isn't the toughest place to play. But but the fact that we got to travel all the way up to the middle of the states and then come back for you know Game Six or Game Five. Uh, you know, that the, there's no travel, and we have a huge advantage because we, we're the team that has the worst travel in the league. Uh, Seattle coming in helps us primarily for travel reasons um, and also marketing reasons because of the, the rivalry, but how much of this do you think is, you know, travel matters
2: here? Well, I guess we'll never know how it affects, like, this whole playoffs with no travel, but I guess – given all the circumstances, you play with what you're given and you can't really take away anything from Vancouver just because of the non-travel issue, right?
0: No, I, I agree. That's, that's a fair point.
2: And touching on your earlier question about how Vancouver is built up to this point, the one thing Aval was said about Jim Benning and the staff is what's the one thing they did best? And that's drafting. After 2016... Where they picked all you levy their drafting has been superb. When in twenty seventeen, the top two players in that draft were, or supposedly were Nolan Patrick and Nico Heesha, right? And what's come out in latter years is. Vancouver trying to buck that trend and looking at their list, they had Kale McCarr number one and Elias Pettersson number two on their list. So even though they drafted five, we got our number two player, and who have turned out so far as the best two players in that draft, Elias Pettersson and Kale McCarr. And then, twenty eighteen is that's when we re- we really got lucky with. I think size bias still existed where people were scared of drafting a 5'9 or 5'10 defenseman in Quinn Hughes. And in 2018, Quinn Hughes was a fair pick at 7. No one was really calling it a steal since the players from 1 to 6 were slotted in that range. But Vancouver really did well in scouting Quinn Hughes and they had him 3rd that year when they drafted him 7th.
0: Yeah, no, that, those are all very good points. Now, now Rory, you... Uh, I don't know when you started watching hockey, but I figured that all three of us have watched hockey in relatively very successful Canucks years. And if that's the thing I wanted to get get to. If you look at our team, we've been in the league now. This is our 50th year. But if you look at the first 35 years, they were pretty abysmal. Uh, We had like the one run in 82 and some of the early 90s uh, culminating with 94. But also a couple of the years in 92, 93 were pretty good. But other than that, we were pretty atrocious every year. But if you look at the the sec, almost the second half, from a little bit more than the second half, the, from two from ninety nine when we got the Sedin's to today, we've produced very successful hockey. Whether it be the West Coast era, the Sedin era, the run to the finals, uh, the Luongo era, uh, and now the post Luongo era, where we've got Jacob Markstrom and we got these young rookies. So, uh, you know, just, just talk about kind of all your memories you have of the, the Canucks and you know, we're very lucky to see now this franchise be kind of a model franchise. So I want to get your thoughts on your favorite Canucks memories. Uh, also, are we, have we turned ourselves into a model franchise? And NAB, you can answer those as well after.
1: Um. Okay. So the first Canucks playoff run I saw was 2007 where they made it to the second round. Also beat Dallas seven games in round one, then lost to Anaheim in five games in round two. And I, I, I definitely remember that um, that game seven against Dallas um, in the first round when they they went down one nothing in that game, but then got a two one lead and then they um, they protected it to what, all the way to the end of the game and then got two empty net goals, won the game four one and I remember just being on the edge of my seat the whole time because that was the first was the first playoff series I ever saw. And then that was the first game seven I ever saw. And then that, and then I, I instantly left seven was by watching that. And Your second question on best playoff memory. Um, probably Alex Burrows slaying the dragon in 2011, because I was so sick of seeing the Canucks lose to the Blackhawks in the playoffs. And, if they like, if they got reverse swept by giving up a three nothing series lead, that would have just—I don't know how I would have reacted. Like,
0: yeah, I think our entire core of would be gone, and there'd be you know a lot of people, a lot of people would be getting fired. So, what do you think, NAB?
2: Well, just touching on the years that we've watched from about 2000 to right now. It astonishes me that you mentioned how, yeah, we had a lot of great teams, the Nasland era, then transitioning into the Sedin era. But the thing that I've always thought about, especially in our time rebuilding, is in that 15-year span from 2000 to 2015, Vancouver only made it to the second round four times, and they only made it past the second round once. So it it really makes me think about how we had a lot of wasted opportunities where we had such good teams, but never really transitioned that into playoff success. And that's why transitioning into the question, the 2011 run was so important because that was really the first time where we made it deep into the playoffs and showed that our regular season mattered and continued that into the playoffs and touching on what Rory said, the, Game 7 against the Chicago series is probably my favorite memory, because Just imagine the monumental changes or uproar there would have been if we lost that series, being the president's trophy team and having such big aspirations, having a 3-0 lead and blowing it and losing four straight. Imagine the changes that would have been made.
0: Yeah, no, I I agree. I think um, uh, the Arthur Griffith era was, you know, even though the Cubs were a horrible run, horrible team on the ice he was a very good owner himself and uh he got us rogers arena without any money to the taxpayer he paid for it by himself so great guy um but ever since the Aquilinis took over in 2004 or something they've done the canucks franchise has really gone from kind of a mid-tier team to a top tier team both because of the success on the ice but also uh and mike gillis doesn't get credit for it but he's uh He's really kind of, you know, he renovated the kind of stress room. He invested in the nutrition program. He got the, like, all these, like, sports doctors. They monitored, like, the sleep of these guys. And he, they really kind of, they started using the modern techniques better. Obviously, now everyone's using analytics, but, you know, the, the, all this stuff that we've done, we've become a premier uh, sports team in the league. And, you know, obviously, we, we came, you know, one game away from the cup. Uh, hopefully, we see. Uh, more opportunities now with Discord, But I think the team itself has kind of transitioned from, you know, kind of a mid-tier Canadian team to now an elite Canadian team. And it kind of shows that we, we're the only team that's gone to the finals and then come back and then won another series since any of these guys. I think the Oilers have not – the Oilers won, I think, one series in 2017. Um, the Leafs obviously haven't. The Habs are uh, – a respectful team. They've uh, they usually go to like the round two or round three of the playoffs, but uh, have not gone to the finals. And uh, Ottawa had that one magical run in '17, but other than that, Winnipeg, new team, they're they're pretty good too. Um, I think I think the franchise has really turned a
2: corner. Well, just touching on what you said before is, I think Mike Gillis does deserve a lot of success in transitioning Ven- the Vancouver franchise into a more modern one of the more modern franchises in the league and it's one of the mysteries of the NHL why he seems to be blacklisted by every other team, not getting any opportunities to, to kind of redeem himself from not winning a championship in Vancouver. But touching on your next point is, I think it's it says more about the other Canadian teams and the state that they're in that we just came off of a four or five year rebuild and we're now essentially ahead of them. And, kind of the mismanagement we've seen in places like Ottawa, Edmonton, even Calgary, just not being able to live up to what we thought.
0: Yeah, I agree. Rory, do you think the reason that the the Luongo has not been given his number retired or in the ring of honor is because of the recapture penalty? Do you think we're going to see him... Uh, I, I don't think we're going to retire his number, but we, we might get him in the ring of honor maybe five years later, seven years later? Um,
1: I don't think it has to do with the recapture penalty, but I definitely think it has to do with the way he left. The, it was the it was ugly in 2014, the way he left um, getting benched in the Heritage Classic and then demanding a trade like a few days later, I think. And the reason why I'm saying this is because um, Pavel Bure, the same thing, happened to him when he demanded a trade out of Vancouver in ninety-eight, I think, and Canucks they didn't retire his number until twenty thirteen, so that's like that's like fifteen years a little
0: Yeah and the and the Canucks you're right, Roy about Pavel Bury because the Canucks only retired Pavel Bury's number because they kinda got shamed into it because Pavel Bury went into the Hall of Fame <laughs> and most of his productive years were with the Canucks. So you have the, the entire league recognizing the guy as you know, one of the best players in the world. And then his number wasn't retired. So we kind of, you know, patched up the relationship and just at least got him to come here for a game to, you know, hang up the, the, the Jersey. Um, so do you think if Luongo, and I think Luongo will be a hall of famer um, when he goes into the hall of fame, whether that be five years from now, whether that be seven years from now that the then Canucks ownership will be kind of, uh, uh, pressured to bring him back in
1: out of shame. Uh, wait, am I answering this or is NAB answering?
2: I, I, can, you guys. I can touch on it. Well, I think the biggest reason why he would never get his jersey retired is, honestly, I think there's a sentiment around the league that Luongo sees himself more as a Florida Panther than he did a Vancouver Canuck, which is crazy to think about since he had all his National Hockey League success in Vancouver compared to Florida. But then that's his home. That's where he spent a majority of his career. I think 13 out of his 20 years were with Florida. And I think that just puts a stain in um, Vancouver's eyes where they feel like this guy thinks he's more of a Florida Panther than he is a Vancouver Canuck, which is why I think they would lower his jersey retirement from that to the Ring of Honor.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree with you there because Luongo, um, even when he played for the Canucks, uh, his family's all from Florida. So his even his wife and his kids like they all lived in Florida. He trained in the off season in Florida, believe it or not, even though that sounds preposterous to think. Um, you know, being in Florida in the summertime and playing hockey, uh, he uh, you know he's probably he still lives in Florida now. Um, so I, I think when he goes to the Hall of Fame, he might request that his jersey be like a Panther jersey or something. Um, even though his most successful years and uh were here with the Canucks. So I, I, I agree with that. Um the next question I kinda of wanted to get to both of you guys was you know, it's pretty cliche, but what do we gotta do to keep up with Vegas and uh do you guys think we can beat the Golden Knights?
2: Well obviously Vegas will be favored once again, but I think they're a different animal compared to St. Louis, where St. Louis is the, was a the more defensive team, and Vancouver did catch a few breaks with Bennington and Allen not playing up to par, Tarasenko being injured. Vegas is rolling right now, four lines deep, elite offensive potential. Their defense plays well, and they have one of the best duos in the league with Robin Renner and um, Flurry. so... If Vancouver is going to win the series, Markstrom is going to have to continue to be elite and our offense is going to continue to have to put up goals. I think Vegas, if I had to pick Vegas, would will win in probably six games. But I think it will be a really close series and another opportunity for Vancouver's young core to really establish themselves.
0: Yeah, you're right. I put Canucks I put, uh, losing to Vegas in my bracket. But uh, I'm hoping, obviously, we can pull off an upset and win this thing in seven games. Um, The other thing, I don't know if we touched on this earlier. Did we talk about uh, the starting of Bennington yesterday versus Jake Allen?
2: No, I don't think we did. If I were their coach, I would have gone with Bennington. Like, the guy just won your Stanley Cup last year. And it's not like Jake Allen was lighting the world on fire.
0: Oh, he, he wasn't running the world on fire, but like, do you? I, I have. I don't think I've ever seen this. You you start a goalie, and then you usually, if a if a backup goalie takes over for you and wins a couple of games, and, and then even if he loses a game, he's still your guy going forward. This kind of going back to the your starter, like I I personally I, I don't know. Like, I don't want to get conspiratorial, but like, why didn't they start uh, Jake Allen?
2: Well, Game Five, Jake Allen let in two goals, and that's the difference between. Or letting two bad goals, excuse me, and that's the difference between a win and a loss. Like the 3-2 goal where JT Miller slid it underneath him, that should have been a save, and then the Jake Bertanen one should have been a save as well. And those two goals cost them the game because of bad goaltending.
0: Yeah, fair enough. That's, that's true. I just I I you know I was just looking at it going like, oh my God, they're putting Biddington back in. It's it's well, we got a shot here. Anyways, uh, before we go, um. What are you guys' thoughts about some of the other teams and the other uh, other matchups? Because obviously this is a very Canucks-centric episode, but uh, uh, we do have to touch on some of the good things. I think the Islanders are one of the biggest surprises. They could be the, this year's Dark Horse team that goes uh, maybe not all the way, but definitely further than what I expected them. A lot of people expected them. Uh, NAB Flyers are doing very well. Uh, Colorado is just absolutely crushing it. I have Colorado winning the cup. So, you know, have at it, guys. Uh, uh, you know, start wherever you want. And uh, what do you think about some of the other matchups?
2: Well, first of all, I think Gary Bentman's pretty excited that most of the favorites and most of the higher seed won. So, there's no connotation where a whole bunch of 11th and 12th place teams moved on. So, be happy about that, Bentman. But looking at the next series, I think. New York, Philly is going to be a really big defensive slugfest where both of them are two-way teams and they like to counterattack. So I think that will be a really defensive-oriented team. I think it, it could could go either way. I think it will be a six- or seven-game series. I actually think that New York might pull it, pull it off just because being a Philly fan, I know Philly doesn't match up against them too well. And with Barry Trott's coaching, I think they can pull it off. Tampa-Boston is just going to be an absolutely amazing series where it's going to be high octane and just great hockey. I took, I had Tampa winning the Cup, so I, I'll say they'll win in six or seven. And then out west, Colorado-Dallas is just going to be a clash of two completely opposite styles with Dallas' defensive-oriented team and Colorado just steamrolling everyone, scoring six or seven goals again. I think Colorado will win that, especially if – Dallas doesn't have their elite goalie Ben Bishop in net, and then we touched on the Vancouver series. But I think a lot of good series going forward.
0: Yeah. What about you, Rory? Would you uh, have to anything else um, to add?
1: Not really. I think Nab covered everything. I'm 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 definitely excited to see um, Tampa and Boston, um, and definitely Vancouver and Vegas. Those will probably be the those are probably those are the two I'm most looking forward to, but obviously um Philadelphia and Islanders and um Avalanche and um Stars are gonna be good ones too. But I see those series as more like I see those series more as um a defensive team trying to shut down an offensive team. There's one Yeah, no for there's one for more sure. thing I wanna um add on this. We didn't during during the Canucks and blue series we didn't talk about we didn't talk about bo horvat at, at all and how those yeah you're right you, we completely missed bo go ahead roy well the, I don't have a lot to say about him other than wow those those two goal games he had in um, game 1 and 2 those were those were definitely instrumental in us winning the series especially that game two overtime winner where the Canucks they Canucks blew a three one lead in that game I think late and they gave up the tying goal with like six or seven seconds left and um that could have been a huge um momentum killer for the Canucks if um, they lost that game
0: yeah no you're right that was a that was
1: a I was lucky we ended
0: it quick there. Yeah, all right, just, guys, that's all, the, that's all the questions I nabbed. Do you have anything else to add? But uh, that's all I got.
2: Just to touch a little bit on Forbitt, yeah. Games 1 and 2, he was a beast. Really carried the team on his back with some important goals. Games 3 and 4, he got taken out to lunch a little bit by Ryan O'Reilly and his line. But then games 5 and 6, again, he stepped it up a little bit. So overall, pretty good showing by our captain.
0: All right, sounds good. Thanks, guys, so much for coming on. Uh, hopefully, we'll be on again soon. I'm looking forward to some uh, some good episodes coming forward now.